Good afternoon. My name is Andrea Petu. I'm a professor at the Central European University in Vienna and also a research fellow of the Democracy Institute of CEU in Budapest. Together with Matthijs Bogarts from the Political Science Department, we organized a conference called Illiberalism and Gender in Post-Communist Europe, which was financed by the Thyssen Foundation. Illiberalism as a challenge to democracy is well documented. The proliferation of illiberal democracies around the world has been studied since at least the 1990s. Less well-known is the relationship between illiberalism and gender. Recent events in such countries and Hungary and Poland show that the attack on illiberal democracy is also an attack on gender equality and the LGBTQI community. We have been organizing this conference with Matthijs Bogarts. The conference is a preparation of the special issue. We are editing with Matthijs Bogarts to explore the relationship between illiberalism and gender, focusing on a region where gender progress is under threat from de-democratization post-communist Europe. The contributions, the papers presented are investigating the gendered working of illiberal institutions as well as the policies, mechanisms and discourses used to de-reconstruct gender as a threat to populist and nationalist vision of the polity, society, family and individual. The papers demonstrated illiberalism's impact on gendered issues in a broad range of social, economic and political spheres, including the labor market, culture, academia, the legal system, foreign policy and security. They did that from a variety of perspectives and the diversity of academic backgrounds, together building the first systemic examination of the relationship between illiberalism and gender in post-communist Europe. We asked the participants three different questions. The first is a kind of introduction, who are they and what are they working on? The second question is about their papers, what they were presenting. The third question was, where do they see the blind spots of the research on illiberalism and gender? The papers are submitted to the special issue of the politics and governance. And thanks again for the support of the Thyssen Foundation and of course, CEUPU. Thank you. My name is uh, Zuzana Maďarová and I uh, am a researcher at the Faculty of Social and Economic Sciences at uh, the Comenius University in Bratislava. My research is focused on uh, gender aspects of political communication and uh, political uh, subjectivity of women in the past and present and in recent years. I'm also uh, trying to examine uh, what has been happening with this neoconservative uh, turn in, uh, in the region, in Slovakia and other countries as well. And make sense of it. The paper I presented for uh, this conference and for this special issue is the one that we co-authored with my colleague Pavel Hardos from the same faculty and it is about how the conservative and uh, liberal, uh, the term conservative and liberal have been changing over time in Slovakia and how actually this Um, they created a new dividing line in society and how this relates to the illiberal 
turn that we can see. Because in Slovakia, the recent uh, years and the development is very rarely uh, understood in terms of the illiberal term. There are other terms uh, using especially the focus on anti-gender discourse. Uh, so we are trying to connect and understand these uh, movements in relation to the illiberal turn. And our argument is that what is actually happening with this anti-gender discourse is that it uh, offers tools and space for articulating some material and economic and social issues that uh, cannot be really named and articulated because the left-right divide of politics uh, has faded away discursively. So while the economic and uh, social inequalities uh, have been rising, the tools that we have to address them and name them has also disappeared. So this is one of the reasons Uh, why this uh, anti-gender discourse is being so successful and supported. And we connect this to the conservative and liberal divide uh, that uh, we are seeing over time in the public discourse. Well, this is actually maybe the one blind spot that we are trying to address because a lot um, a lot of studies uh, focus on uh, discourse and rhetoric. And again, there's something that also the, the conference is uh, trying to address probably that the studies on illiberalism are really uh, missing the gender aspect. So this is where we see also the, or where I see the, the blind spot, the gender aspects of liberalism, but also to the, the I would love to see more uh, studies and, and more intensive turn <laughs> towards um, like going beyond the discursive level of the, the right wing actors or illiberal actors or anti-gender uh, actors, uh, something that is rooted more in what has been happening in the society as well. It really cannot go beyond this course or, or outside the discourse, uh, of course, but uh, it can be rooted in more material aspects of what is happening in society. So the effects of policies or the everyday life or the actual equalities we, we see in society, for instance. My name is Veronika Krzewalska and I'm an assistant professor at the Institute of Political Studies, Polish Academy of Sciences in Warsaw. I work on paramilitarism, militarization, right-wing politics and gender politics with a focus on contemporary Central Europe. The paper that I presented at our workshop um, deals with uh, the gender politics of the currently ongoing defense reforms in Poland. And it starts with a certain paradox or a puzzle, namely, how is it? that a political party that puts anti-gender slogans and policies at the forefront of its governance seems to be tolerating and even moderately supporting the regendering of the defense sector. In other words, it's actually effectively pushing more women into the defense sector, Uh, changing the very idea and practice of defense and in many ways continuing the heretofore existing liberal international commitments with regards to women in security. And the paper tries to explain that 
by invoking the concept of illiberal pragmatics. So the concept that relates to how illiberal actors in many ways are just as tactical and strategic as other political actors. And they try to balance their strategic dedication to anti-gender politics with very concrete pragmatic considerations related to foreign policy goals, demographic, military, economic, and political considerations. I would say that the majority of research that tries to gender illiberalism has a pretty, let's say, reductionist perspective on illiberal gender politics. Uh, In other words, that it sees illiberal gender politics through the framework of backlash. So it sees illiberal actors as those who restrict, roll back, and cancel equality and women's rights. And I believe that there is already a growing number of critical works in the region and beyond that try to move beyond this and through that make us more intellectually prepared for what is going on, but also help us uh, have better progressive interventions. Because if we don't understand what's going on, we can really effectively intervene. So I would see this uh, greatest challenge of research in accepting that Illiberal gender politics is much more complex, very often messy, and it combines elements that are actually serving certain practical gender interests of at least certain groups of women with those that are very regressive and reactionary. And uh, disentangling exactly how this is happening may help us understand why a growing number of women support these parties. My name is Karolina Zbotniewska. I'm uh, the PhD candidate at the Warsaw University and the editor-in-chief at uh, Euroactive Poland. And on a day-to-day basis, I'm mostly a political commentator and a journalist. My paper was focusing on uh, anti-liberal or illiberal ultra-conservatism. My hypothesis is that it's just a pretext for illiberal politicians to use such an ideological approach. The real front is just electoral cycles and uh, keeping the power, keeping the support and uh, mobilizing the most radical electorate segments. In my view, uh, the blind spot is uh, missing the most cynical part of the illiberal politician's approach. I mean here looking into or not looking into the political marketing, not taking into account that illiberal politicians that are in power have access to huge amounts of money and because of that also to the best uh, experts in political marketing, sociology, psychology, who help them to transform the results of opinion polls and focus groups into the actual messaging, into actual policy language and into actual policies that will uh, satisfy the needs of uh, as I mentioned, usually most radical electorate that is kind of driving force for illiberal politicians' discourse. 
in order to check my hypothesis, I'm conducting uh, individual di direct interviews with, uh, of the record, of course, with uh, politicians, also the illiberal politicians and also political marketers who are uh, revealing how the kitchen, how the ba backstage of the policy looks like. It's uh, very eye-opening and uh, the cynicism uh, of politics uh, really seems fascinating and that's why personally I would like to go into that direction. Hi, I'm Judith Tokach. I'm a Hungarian sociologist uh, focusing on gender issues, uh, social history of homosexuality and a lot of related, uh, well, issues. <laughs> I'm a co-author of uh, the Paradoxical Right-Wing Sexual Politics in Europe volume. This paper is about uh, institutionalizing gender phobia in uh, Hungary. So this is the main focus. I think as we could see today, for example, in, this, uh, in our discussions as well, there are very many approaches uh, which are possible. And sometimes when someone is too close to, to a topic, like, for example, I'm, uh, I have been doing research on um, homosexuality-related issues for more than 20 years. Sometimes I can realize that I have some blind spots. So I, I just take it for granted that, you know, certain interpretation of mine are just uh, understandable for others why it seems that this is not the case. And of course, I realize that uh, there are other, well, issues which, uh, for example, in a Polish context or in other, you know, countries' context are not uh, fully understandable for me or not all details. So I think it's always very important that uh, even if we do some country case studies, we do it in a context, uh, in a contextualized way that we embedded, uh, you know, knowledge uh, coming or produced from, you know, other countries in our case study. And also it's very important that we talk with, you know, other authors and other theoretical and empirical approaches. Hello, my name is Jasgul Kochkorova. I'm a project manager at the Women and Gender and Global Affairs Network, or WGJ for short, at the Columbia University Institute for the Study of Human Rights. At WGGA, we support scholars, activists, academic professionals who work at the intersection of gender studies and human rights. Our goal is to foster resilience of the Gender Academy by promoting stronger relationships across disciplinary and national boundaries, uh, by providing a platform for information sharing with respect to research and teaching, and by helping to nurture conversations that may eventually lead to collaborative projects. I'm a co-author. I'm co-authoring an article titled The New Cold War. Disputing Gender in the 21st Century Academia with Dr. Yasmin Ergas, Dr. Andrea Peto, and Natalia Trujillo. In our paper, we examine the field of gender studies around the world that faces threats ranging from coercive institutional restructuring to outright elimination. We draw on previous literature 
supplemented by our own mapping of gender studies programs and WGA organized discussions with gender scholars, directors of programs and formal and informal networks in academia. We start by tracing the institutionalization of gender studies programs. Then we move on to mapping of major threats to the viability of these programs and their place in strategies of anti-gender movements. And we finish by analyzing crisis prevention and mitigation strategies, including the creation of informal and academic spaces. At the Gender and the Liberalism Conference, I heard many presentations on interesting topics related to rising liberalism in Eastern Europe. And I was really surprised by the rate of democratic decline in the study country cases. Like in our paper, many authors demonstrated that the democratic erosion is happening right in the heart of the European Union with efforts to stop it showing little effect. It serves as a precedent for other liberalism hotspots that may be replicated in other parts of the world and the inability to stop it. That brings it back to our article where we outline the strategies of resilience shown by academics, scholars, activists, and networks to this anti-gender surge. There is growing research published on this topic at and scholars have long been calling the attention of the anti-gender campaigns. But despite that fact, there is little literature dedicated to outlining any countering strategies in the academic spaces. Their presentations at the conference also showed that there will be much need for methods of resistance to the illiberalism tide. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to present our paper at the conference because we received a lot of helpful feedback and comments that will certainly help polish the arguments and we can include further evidence to the country case studies and hopefully fill that gap in the research. Hello, my name is Matthijs Bogaerts. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Political Science at the Central European University in Vienna, Austria. And it's my pleasure to introduce an article that I co-authored with Andrea Petter, a full professor in the Department of Gender Studies, also at CEU. The title of the article is Gendering Dedemocratization, the subtitle Gender and Illiberalism in Post-Communist Europe. It's the introduction to a special issue on gender and illiberalism in post-communist Europe that just came out the journal Politics and Governance. Politics and Governance is an open access journal, which means that all 12 articles are freely available to readers worldwide, which is a great thing. About this, this introduction. Now, there are two worrying trends. There are many worrying <laughs> developments in the world uh, right now, but there are two trends in Eastern Europe especially, but not exclusively, that have attracted a lot of attention. Of, of scholars and, and activists. Uh, one is what we call de-democratization, but what you might also know under different labels like democratic backsliding or democratic erosion. Some people even talk about autocratization. So that's the first trend. And Poland and Hungary are clear cases of democratic decline in post-communist Europe. The second trend is what people have called opposition to gender equality, anti-gender campaigns, even a war on gender. What all these different terms and labels try are trying to get at is that there's an increasing resistance against what its opponents term gender ideology and women's equal rights and women's rights are under threat. Now, what the contributions to the special issue look at is how these trends of de-democratization and the attack on gender gender equality, how these two trends are, are connected. What we do in the introduction is 
in addition to providing an overview, we make two points. And, and the first point is that illiberalism, which is the focus of many of the contributions and also part of the title of the special issue, illiberalism is both a cause of de-democratization and part of it. How is illiberalism part of de-democratization? Through the phenomenon of illiberal democracy which is one of the ways in which a democracy can be defective. The second point that we make in our introduction is that for analytical purposes, it is helpful to keep de-democratization and anti-gender politics separate. So if you want to study how democratic decline impacts gender politics, women's rights and the rights of sexual minorities, then you have to keep these two phenomena separate, at least analytically, though, you know, in the real world, they might be interacting and, and mingled. So these are two points that we make in the introduction, and we feel that this will help, we hope that this will help to develop further what is really a, a, a new research agenda on the connections between democratic decline and anti-gender politics. We're not the first to observe this. A lot of people are working on this at the moment. Very good. And we hope to contribute to this developing new field with our introduction and with our special issue. Thank you.